Faith. You know, truth or dare. Here's your truth today. Every person has to answer this question. And if you don't answer it, then, then you, you basically just live in limbo for the rest of your life. You need to answer it. If you're not a Christian, if you've not answered this question about who God is and about his existence, go on, there you go. You need to answer, because if you haven't yet, yet come to grips with a full faith in God, then you are in limbo. You're, you're never gonna have anything. The Word of God says if, if you're that way, you're like a double-minded man who's unstable in all his ways. Don't let that man think he's gonna get anything from God. You gotta have faith. Okay, so, so you must come to a choice to believe or not about this, the, the God of this Bible that, that we preach about. There's only two choices. There's only one or two decisions that you can make. You only have two options. You know, because, because of who God says he is, this is who he says he is. So anything that misses that, if, if he isn't true in all of that, then he's nothing. He either is or he isn't. He's not halfway. You can't believe this part about him and disbelieve this part. He either is or he isn't. You got two choices, two options. Firstly, you can believe that God doesn't exist. That this corporeal world, this corporeal life, this material life uh, is all that there is. You know, the, the, just this physical stuff that we can see, that we feel, that we touch, that we hear, that we smell, that this is it. That, uh, that uh, this, tangible, this tangible world, this mortality is all that there is. That, and there are a few people in this world who actually believe when you breathe your last breath, it's over. There's not as many as you think, and there's not as many as other people want you to believe. Most people don't believe that this is it. Most people believe that after our last breath, there is something else. But there's a few people that do, do believe that, but not very many. But here's your second option. Or you can believe that there is something else beyond our finite intelligence. That there is, there is an understanding, there is wisdom, there is intelligence that is bigger than my brain is holding now or can ever hold, that there is some more wisdom intelligence out there than I can ever fathom, that there is something beyond this limited physical existence where, you know, I'm in this place right now, now I can be in this place, I can talk to you, and then I can talk to you, and then I can talk to you, you know, but I can't talk to other people, I can't be in other places. I'm limited by a lot of the things that I can do. You know, I, I wear out, I get tired. You know, and, and you know, kind of fun to be worn out and tired after a good day of doing something you really like. But I get worn out and tired. There must be something beyond our, this limited physical existence. And there must be something else beyond our last breath. That when I breathe my last breath, it's not over. I don't just dissipate into the universe. That there must be, and what is this thing? What is, what is this wisdom and this intelligence that is beyond my understanding and comprehension? What, what, is, what is it that is beyond my physical limitations? What is it that can be anywhere and at all times? And, and what is it that exists even beyond my last breath? And has promised me that I can too. It is God. And so you need to come to grips with that. And, and, and I know uh, people say, oh yeah, you're preaching on faith. So you, you want us to just throw out everything we think and believe and, and just by faith believe. Can, can I tell you something? Faith is not thinking or believing something without basis or foundation. It's not. And it's what some people think, well, you just want us to have faith and not have anything to found it. No, no, no. That's 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 hope. You know, hope, just hoping something that you don't have anything to found it on. Okay, if we're gonna talk about faith in God today, then we have to let God define what faith is. 
If we're going to say, if we're going to say I'm going to have faith like God wants me to have faith, then I need to figure out what God says faith is. Okay, here it is. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Do you see that? He doesn't say, I want you to just believe in me even though I've not proven myself. I've not given you any signs. I'm not giving you any examples or anything. I just want, that's not what he says. There are two strong words there, assurance and conviction. Th those are real powerful words there that, that the things we hope for, we have assurance of it. And the things we have not seen, there's conviction. Now, let's look at the Greek to those two words there, okay? Now, the first part of this message, first half of it is going to be a little technical and clinical. We're going to get to some of others, but let, let's look at this real quick, okay? That, that word assurance in the Greek is hypostasis, which means assurance, substance, or reality. Assurance. It's not blind faith. It's not without some. It's assurance. It comes from two words, hupo, which is under, and histomy, which means to stand. It's like understanding something. When you understand something, that doesn't mean you made it up, right? No, if you understand something, it means there was something that was already there and you began to understand it. That's what this word means. It's not that you made it up, not that you dreamed it up or anything like that. You have come to an understanding or you have been brought to a place where now you understand something that is happening. It, 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 it's kind of like also a title deed, you know, in, in real estate. You know, just like, you know, if I own an acre of land out in the middle of the densest forest, the most dense forest there is in the world, I couldn't get to it. I couldn't take you to it this afternoon, you know, and show it to you. But if I had the title deed to it, that title deed would be proof that I own what I say I own. This is what God says faith in him is like. Not my definition, God's definition. And what he is saying is that that you own, that that you hope for, that you, that you have not yet seen, God says, I'm, I want you to believe in me because I'm giving you a title deed to it and that proves that you have what it is that you can't even see. Or that word, elenkos, which is proof, evidence, being convinced of conviction. God is saying, I do not want you to just believe in me because I say believe in me. He says, I want you to be assured. I want you to be convinced. I want you to have proof of me. I want you to know that you know that I'm, that's what God says faith is. Wow. You, you mean, pastor, I can really believe that strong? Yes. You can have confident, be convinced of conviction that God really is who he says he is. And, now, and that second word. That convinced of conviction. Sounds like, yeah, it is. It's the same thing as like a jury in a trial. The jury was not there to see who pulled the trigger. They were not there to see who committed the crime. But they, they, they hear all the evidence. They see all the evidence. They, they listen to all the evidence. And once they get all the evidence, then what do they do? Then they say, I didn't see the crime, but they know based on the evidence yet that yes, he's guilty or no, he's innocent. One way or the other. They don't have to see the crime because they see the evidence. So, and, and, and you know, I, I, I don't like to use total superlatives, like the most number one biggest. I don't like to use those. So I've hedged just a little bit on this right here, okay? Just a little bit. But I believe that faith is often much stronger than sight. I believe, what you, I believe the faith that we have in God is much stronger than anything we see. And I believe that, and just about everybody, yeah, you know, I hedge on a little bit. I believe faith can often. I believe it is all the time. Just let me give you an example if I can, okay? You know, imagine 
today, there is a chocolate pie missing. Oh, what a horrible thing that there is a chocolate pie missing, right? But I say that I saw Caleb take the chocolate pie. I saw him do it. I know he did it. And it was a little dark, and I didn't get a good look at his face because he had his head down in it, eating the whole thing, you know? But I saw, I saw Caleb, he took the chocolate pie. And if I told you that, most of you, you'd be pretty convinced, right? Okay, okay, Caleb took the chocolate pie. But then if you took the pie plate down to the local police station and you had them check it out, and then they said, well, I know pastor said that he saw Caleb take the pie, but all over the bottom of that pie plate, we're finding Christian's fingerprints. You know, then you say, hmm, no, wait a minute. Pastor says he sees this, but, and they say, and inside the plate, it is full of the DNA of Christian where he licked the thing clean. You know, and so now you're saying, hmm, now wait a minute, are you sure? I said, yes, I am sure, because I saw Caleb. I know what, I know what they're saying about that, but I saw Caleb. And, and, and then, you, then you think, wait a minute now. I saw Christian right after that, and he had chocolate all over his nose and cheeks and all over his chin and everywhere, and all of a sudden, tell me, who stole the pie? Who ate the pie? It wasn't the guy that I thought saw it, because, see, many times, faith. If faith is founded in, in evidence, and assurance, and proof, and being convinced of conviction, it is so much stronger than what we see. And, and, and that sounds comical, right? But I want you to get this, is that what we do, the reason we don't have faith is because of stuff we see. And we can't look at the real evidence because we see something. We can't look at the real evidence that Jesus Christ says, yes, I did come to forgive you your sins. We can't look at the real evidence that he says, I took the stripes on my back for your healing because we see the sickness or we see, we see the, 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 the problems. That are, and so we can't see that and just in the same way that I can't get beyond that I saw Caleb take the pie to listen, look at all the rest of the evidence in the same way. But let me tell you what Christians do. Christians look at the evidence. Christians who have faith in God have examined all the evidence. Not just part of the evidence, all the evidence. Because see, this is, what, this is what people in the world do is they take part of the evidence and they want to build all of their theology, even if they don't have theology, they want to build it all on there. Like scientific evidence. Science has a lot of answers for a lot of things going on in this world today. But you know what? Science keeps looking because it doesn't have some important answers. And the most important answer that it never has come up with is about God is because even all the stuff that they want to say about what science says that it can't happen, the one thing science has not been able to answer is where did all of this, even the stuff that has happened and it happened and it came, all this came from this and this and this, they can't get back to that very first, that very beginning, that very beginning of all the things that are there. Science has not been able to answer that, but God has. He says, I am that I am, the one who was before the foundations of the world and made all the decisions he always was. And not just science, but nature. You ever looked at nature? Oh man, if we could get to that, that acre of land that somebody owns out in the middle of the forest and just spend the afternoon there. Yeah, you ever been out in nature? You ever looked? You ever seen a sunrise? You ever watched a newborn baby wiggle and, and, and cry when it was hungry and, and do all the things? Have you ever looked at nature and you see, see the, the birds flying in the sky? Have you ever, seen, you ever seen ducks just know when they're 
firstborn how to just walk out on the water and, and it's okay and they just swim across. If, have you ever seen those things happen? Nature screams to us that there is a God that created me and I'm part of nature. Nature screams. My nature screams. I mean, I look at who I am. Oh, but it goes on beyond just my nature. Because, I mean, I've looked at the scientific evidence, I've looked at the natural evidence, and I've looked at the personal evidence. And you, can I tell you about the personal evidence? That when I look, I'm like the pie plate. God's fingerprints are all over my life. Every place that I've ever been, things that I have done, I shouldn't even be here. There are so many times, and if I had time to just tell you, I'd tell you. But if, if you want to talk to me after service, and we won't have time to talk maybe right after service, we'll set up some time. And I'll tell you about how I shouldn't even be there. I should be in other places or, or not even be anywhere. But because of the fingerprints of God, can somebody help me right here just magnify God for just a moment. Can somebody here, does anybody, yeah, go ahead. You can praise him. And can I get a testimony from somebody that knows what I mean when I say, I look at my life and I see the fingerprints of God. Would you just slip up here? I know what that means, pastor. Whew. If you don't know what that means and just look at somebody around, oh, that song we sang just a few moments ago. I can see you now. I can see the love in your eyes. You know what that means? If you've never really, really examined, then you don't know what, what are y'all talking about? Seeing God, seeing his eyes? Yes. Oh, but it's not with these eyes. He said, that's why you're so blind. And you will never really see until you stop being blinded by what you see with these eyes. Because we, we live in this corporeal, material, limited, physical world and we cannot see beyond what we see and we cannot experience what beyond what we touch and sense and smell and taste and we cannot see. But I dare you today, here's my big dare for the day, I dare you to choose to have faith. Choose to have faith. I dare you. I, I dare you to choose to have faith because every one of us gets to choose to have faith. Faith is not something that just happens. God gives us a measure of faith, but then you've got to choose to believe it. And what he does is, is God allows you to begin to move in some places, and he begins to move in some places, and just little things, and then you pick up. Maybe you've heard me tell the story, and I, I didn't tell this in the first service, and, and because I'm really rushed for time, and if I don't say it now, I won't get it said. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. Some of you have heard me tell this story. I mean, back when I was in my first position in ministry, I was a youth slash music pastor, because back in those days, you couldn't get paid full-time salary for just one or the other. You had to do both, you know, to, to kind of be full-time. And, and, and we lived like 30 minutes from the church that I served at. And uh, we were in revival, and, and I went by myself this night. I don't know if the kids were sick or whatever, but Dave and the kids didn't go with me. I don't remember why I was alone, but I got there. And, and, and on my way, I was, I was running a little late because I, I, I wasn't full-time at this, at this point just yet. And, and, and so I, I I was running a little late because of work, because I lived 30 minutes away after I got home from work and all that. So I was getting there just right before service, and, and I rushed in, and, and, and after, after the music was over, and I sat down, and, and they took up the offering. And I was rushing, and so I didn't have much money. I, I mean, I didn't have much gas in my car, and I knew on the way home I got to get gas. I had $3 in my pocket, and I felt so impressed that I needed to give that $3 in the offering. Why? Because that $3 is going to make a big difference to the evangelist? No. But God was saying, I want you to plant a seed in somewhere. I want you to just have some faith in me. Some of you heard me tell this story before, okay? I've told this story before, but I, I, just, want, I just want to tell you this one thing about it. I gave that $3, knowing that I didn't have enough gas to get home. I lived 30 minutes away. It, it was going to be a long walk, you know? And 
I gave that $3. And as service was concluding, as I was beginning to step back out, as I was going back and been to, beginning to step out of the pew to, to head out and just start talking to people, shake hands, a lady came up to me and shook my hand and said, I just feel impressed. I need to, I need to do something for you. And I looked down, there was a $5 bill. And instead of $3 worth of gas on the way home, I got $5 worth of gas on the way home. And you know what? You say, well, that ain't much. You ever been 30 minutes away from home without enough gas to get home? $5 is a lot. But you know what it was? It was an opening. It was a beginning. It was a place for me to sow some faith and let it sprout a little bit. And then you know what happened, don't you? God gave me more opportunity to have more faith and to see it grow and to grow and to grow some more. And when I'm around you guys and you tell me what God, you know, like, like I said something last week, and I don't even remember saying it in a sermon, and somebody says, man, that spoke to me in this week. I, I just went to God with that in prayer, and boom, this miracle happened. But what, man, how that just, it just explodes my faith again all over. You know, and it's not, it's not hard to have faith standing here right now, is it? Sitting here listening to the pastor talk about when he was, very young in ministry, giving $3, and before the service was even over, you know, five bucks was back in his hand. I mean, to hear that, the, the, the awesome songs that are being sung, knowing that there's a prayer team down here to pray with me. I mean, it's easy to have faith right now. The tough part's going to be later in the week, right? The tough part's when the prayer team isn't standing right here. So what do you need? How can I help you pray? The tough part's going to be when, when the worship team's not singing one of those songs that just makes you remember how awesome he is. When the pastor's not telling stories to build up your faith. When somebody's not saying amen or shaking a fist or nodding their head and magnifying your faith. This is, this is the easiest time. So you know, let me tell you what to do then. You need to hang out with us more often. Because that's the tough part out there. That means every, every Sunday, man, you need to be here. And when you come in, if you got a problem, start worshiping him, magnify him, make it big and take in everything you get. Small groups. Man, you need to be in a small group. You need to hang out with Christians. I'm talking to Christians. Christians, you need to be hanging out with Christians more often. If your faith isn't what it needs to be, you need to be hanging out with Christians. You know why? Because your faith's getting zapped every single day out there. They're telling you all this stuff. You're hearing all this stuff. You're listening to all this stuff. You're seeing all this stuff. You need to be here and in small groups. You need to be around Christians every single time you can to build up your faith. The writer of Hebrews said it, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider. Think about it now. Let us think about it now. Don't just take this for granted. Let us think about it. How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So yeah, sometimes say amen just because somebody needs to hear amen right now. Or somebody needs to see me nod my head, give it a fist pump. Or just, just smiles. I agree with the pastor. Consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't miss this. The most important thing we do is what we leave, what we do when we leave here. We're not defined by what happens in this building. We're defined by what happens when we get out of this building. But this is the most important thing you can do to get ready for that. You've, you've got to be here. And in the smallest, you've got to be there. Don't forsake that. Don't give up on it. But encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And that day, uh, most people say that he's talking about the day when the Lord returns or comes back. Well, whether it's that day or he's talking about, you know, you've got a last day that you're going to be alive on this earth. So whatever, he's talking about the last day, okay? 
okay? Whatever, when that last day is approaching, whether it's the Lord returns or it's your last day to live, you need to be more and more and more. You need to be around Christians and to build up your faith. I dare you. I dare you. Choose faith today and choose to build it up. I I got three quick dares for you and three quick stories, as quick as I can tell these and get through them, okay, and and, and leave you here. I dare you, believe God for provision. In 2 Kings chapter four, there is a lady who is a widow. Her, Her husband has just died, he was one of the prophets. They had a school of prophets back in those days, and, and Elisha, he was the prophet. He was the prophet. He was, he, was he, he was one everybody was listening to. And she came to him, and she said, now, you, you know how my, my husband was a righteous man. He was reverent. He loved God. But he has died, and we have a lot of debt, and the creditors are demanding payment right now, and if we can't pay, he is coming to get my two sons to make them slaves to pay the debt. Elisha said, how can I help you? What do you have? And she said, all I got is a little bit of olive oil. And so he gave her direction. He told her exactly what to do. And so she, she went and followed. What they did is they went and borrowed all the jars, the vessels that they could. He told her, I like how the King James says it real poetically, borrow not a few. You know, borrow, that means borrow a bunch, okay? Borrow not a few. And so they borrowed what they could. They went inside the house. They closed the doors, just, just her and her two sons, like Elisha said to do. And she said, hand me a jar. They handed her a jar. She took the olive oil she had. She started pouring in. It filled that jar and she looked, and there were still some in that, she still had olive oil. So she said, give me another jar. And so she did it again. She said, another jar, did it again. And they kept doing that and kept doing that until all of the jars were full. And when she said, give me another jar, and the son said, we don't have any more jars, she noticed that it stopped flowing. There was no more coming in the jar. Here's the reason I first felt impressed to bring this scripture to you today, this story. Is if you were in debt... God cares. Some people feel so burdened down, like I have messed up, I have bought, I've bought a truck that I could have only afforded. I, I bought about twice as much truck as I could afford. I've stretched myself too thin, I got too much. To, and, and we just, man, we get under that and we start looking down and we feel like we can't even ask God to help us. They somehow live beyond their means. I don't know what they did. I don't know what they did to get there, but they lived beyond their means. They were in a place of debt. It might not have even been their own problem. It might have been something else that happened to them. They were in debt. And look what God did. God helped deliver them from the debt. God cares. If you're, if you're in debt, if you're struggling, and say, God cares. He cares about it. He wants to provide for you financially. But here's the thing, and, and I've, I've, I've preached from this a lot of times in my ministry. I've preached a lot of times there, but here's something that hit me yesterday morning. Or, or maybe it was like late Friday night, but it hit me th- this stuff about this particular thing. I, I've heard people use this and talk about how, man, you see that? I'm believing God's going to do that for me. Like he's just going to give me a blank check and I can, uh, that, that, that ain't what that says. Look at what, it, what, what God did. You know what God did? God, through Elisha, he gave them a vocation. He gave them a job. He gave them employment. They didn't have a way to pay their debt, and God gave them a way to make it. Yes, God gave them the oil, but you know what they had to do with the oil? They didn't just, they couldn't live off the oil. They had to go out and sell the oil. Elisha said, now go sell all the oil and pay off all of the debt, and you and your boys live on the rest. 
He gave them a job to do. You know, so this is what a lot of people are doing. They're kind of sitting around and say, well, eventually God's just going to drop it in my lap. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. And God's going to drop the oil in your lap. And then what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and the oil. So now, God, you got to change this oil into some food because we can't eat oil. You, know, you got to change this oil into some water because I can't pay my bills with oil. You know, not in these days. You know, you could barter back in those, but not in these days. They, God gave them something to do. You have something to do. God's not just going to give it to you. You've got to do something. And you know what? Some of you, all you can figure out to do today is just come to the front and just join hands with a prayer team member and say, look, I got some problems. I got some financial needs. Or I, got, I need a job or something. And you just, that's all you know. To, then do that. What, if that's all you can do, then if you say, I, I read an article the other day, said, quit saying that God doesn't speak to you if your Bible is still closed over there on the nightstand. Amen? So quit saying, I don't know anything else to do when you haven't even let one of these prayer team members that has been praying all week long for you to have a miracle. Quit saying, I don't know what else to do until you say, I want to join with you. And I agree because the word of God says we're to agree concerning anything here. God in heaven is going to do it. Jesus said that. You got something you can do. Step up and do it. Secondly, I dare you. Believe God for healing and health. Is that my next one right? Yeah. In Luke chapter 8, Jairus He's a ruler in the synagogue. He comes to Jesus and he says, my daughter is sick. I need you to come heal her. And so Jesus is going to Jairus' house to heal her. Now on the way, an another woman, he's going to heal a 12-year-old. And on the way, another woman who has been sick for years. This little girl's a 12 years old. This woman's been sick as long as she's been alive. And this woman says, you know, she comes to him and she wants to be healed. And she gets healed, Jesus, you know, and Jesus stops and he talks to her a little bit. He gets interrupted. Now, and I point this out to you because I want you to know, I'm just giving you, this is the second one, I'm just giving you three little stories here, okay? I'm just giving you three, and my own little story there about the $3 and God making, turning it into five. I'm just giving you, but I could give you dozens and dozens of stories from the Bible of where God met needs, performed miracles for people. He heard them, he, he was interrupted, and he heard their need, and he took care of it. This is one of those. And after this woman got her healing, then somebody shows up from Jairus' house and says, don't trouble the master anymore, your daughter's dead. You know what Jesus said? Somebody hear this this morning. Somebody needs to hear this. Jesus said, don't doubt, have faith, believe in me. I'm going to wake your daughter up. See, some of you, some of you, you think there's something dead in your life. I preached this in the first service and in the middle of worship just a few moments ago standing over there, God reminded me of something I thought was dead in my life. And I just, I just, I just jumped on it right then and there. And I said, God, you bring that back. That thing that the devil has tried to kill, you bring that back in the name of Jesus. And some of you, are, you're to that same place right now. And you think something's dead. You think something will never happen. There is some awesome thing that God needs to do or wants to do in your life, something you need from God, and you can't see it because you're seeing all this other stuff with your eyes. You need to quit believing that is dead. And you need to start believing that the, that the life of Jesus Christ, God, who is life, you need to believe that he is going to walk into your situation. He's going to raise him for the dead. As he gets to the house, there are people crying and wailing and mourning. And Jesus said, y'all quit this because she's just asleep. Now, some people have said that that's what it really was. They didn't know how to take a pulse, you know, so Jesus went in and just woke her up. But it says that they laughed at Jesus because they knew she was really dead. Okay, so then why did Jesus say she's just asleep? Here's what I believe is because what I believe is that Jesus was kind of saying it this way. 
Oh, okay, I know, I know some things have. She got sick. I know she's quit breathing and all that, but she ain't dead because it's not her time. I, I, I am life, and I know this is not her time, and I'm about to go in and just bring her back from what she's been in. You know what? This is who Jesus is. He knows when it's your time and it's when it's not your time. I mean, he knows when it's your time for that stuff that I was talking about a minute ago to die and when it's not. And if it's not time for that to die, he know, and he knows how to bring it back to life as well. He's the one since he's spoken into existence in the first place and he can bring it back to life in the last place. He knows. So by all means, have faith in the one who can look into your situation and say, this is not the end. I know it looks like the end. I know it looks like she's quit breathing, but you're, this is not the end of your daughter. This is not the end of your situation. This is not the end of the issue. Believe it. I dare you to believe in God for healing and health of whatever it is in your life. Amen. Last one. Amen. I pray that's faith. Last one. Believe in God. I, I dare you to believe God for deliverance and protection. And this, this one needs about 30 minutes, but like the other two did, but I'm going to do it in, in, in five or less if I can. And then I want to pray for you. Those of you who were clapping your hand just a minute ago, you got stuff we want to pray with you over. There's faith beginning to grow right here. You just need to go ahead and step out on that faith. Take somebody by the hand and say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is going to bring this back. A father came to Jesus one day. It, isn't it interesting? I, I noticed this, uh, I think it was on Friday, that the three stories that God brought me to were stories about families. There, there, there's, there's connection here. So even if you're not, you know, you're maybe the only Christian in your family, there, there's connection here. There's connection. God's talking about connected people, people that have, we all have connections. So a father comes to Jesus and he says, my son has seizures, and he falls in the fire, and he falls in the water. Now, if I skip on down in the story, he, he says, I brought him to your, your disciples, but they couldn't do anything about it. And Jesus, and, and Jesus, he, he says, he, he kind of gets really irritated with his disciples. He's like, come on, guys. You've been with me all this time. You don't have enough faith to just pray over this? Come on, guys. Can you, can you not help me out here just a little bit? Can't you have some faith? Okay, so, he's, so the father says, he has seizures. He falls in the fire, he falls in the water, and he wants Jesus to help him. And Jesus casts the devil out of the boy. Now, now wait a minute. The father didn't say anything about the devil. <laughs> he didn't say anything about a demon. He didn't say anything about stuff like that. You know, it's not just a saying, it's true. A lot of times, Parents are the last to know stuff. <laughs> you ever been the last to know something in your own kids' lives? Sometimes we're looking at the results of something so much with these eyes, we don't see spiritually what's really going on. What Jesus saw, the, the, the father said he has seizures, he falls in the fire, and he falls in the water. And Jesus said, there is something behind this. Now listen, I've got some friends that they believe every time they have a flat tire, the devil did it to them. They believe the devil, every, every bad thing happens. In the devil did that to me. But well, listen, sometimes it ain't the devil. Sometimes you're just too cheap to go buy new tires. Or whatever. Sometimes you just do it to yourself, okay? Sometimes the devil just sits back and smiles and says, yeah, you did that to yourself, buddy. I didn't even have to, didn't even have to get up off the recliner today to, to mess you up. 
There's not, but you know what? Jesus sees when there's something behind. This. And some of you got some stuff that won't go away, will it? You know, every time this father tried to get his son some help, wasn't too long, he'd have another seizure. He'd fall down, hurt himself, or maybe even fall in the fire if they were outside at night. Or if they were fishing, maybe fall out of the boat into the water. And every time he would try to get him some help, every time, it seemed, okay, maybe this will help him. It could. And some of you, you've been trying and trying and trying everything, but all the stuff you're trying is not going to work because there's something behind this. I'm not saying there's a devil behind every problem that you've got, but sometimes, and for some of you, there's something more that's going on there. I mean, this whole message is about get your eyes off of the physical so you can see God, but also get your eyes off the physical so you can really see what the problem is. You know, and, and, and if you're, you know, it's just like, I mean, if you're, your kids are, are lying or, you know, or they, they're, they're starting to act out and do things that they shouldn't do, there's probably something going on there besides just the fact they won't tell a lie. Okay, in the same way, whatever's going on in your life, if it's just happening over and over and over, you're, you're fixing it, ain't ever going to do it. You've got to realize, you've got to stop looking at things with these physical eyes, and you've got to stop, start looking with spirits and say, God, oh my, and you've got to start attacking this from a spiritual standpoint, meaning that you, you need to get everybody you can to agree with you in prayer. I'm pushing you this morning. I'm pushing you this morning. to let a prayer team member who has been praying all week for you, for your miracle, to just hold your hand and say and agree with you in prayer that it is done. Can I ask you to join me at the front, please? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around, uh, close, close around front with a final song and a final prayer. And If you feel comfortable, we'd love to have you come join us for the final song and even prayer if you would like to. I've been working on this sermon for two months. Okay, I know somebody might say, well, it don't sound like it. You know, you could have been better if it had been. I've been working on this sermon for two months. You know what that tells me? That God's been working on your miracle at least that long. And now he's just waiting to see if you got faith. If you're going to act on that faith. Faith is not just something you hold. Faith is something you have to act on. I want to pray with you. I want to agree with you. Don't hesitate. Don't, don't, don't say, well, maybe next time. There might, not, there might not be a next time for a long time. I got other stuff I got to preach next week, next week, and the next week. And I know, listen, if you're not going to come and, help, and let us pray with you right now, the chances are you probably not going to come when I'm preaching about, you know, missions or preaching about love or something like that. You're, this is the moment. Don't miss the moment. I'm pushing you harder than I pushed the first service. Somebody needs to step forward. Let me, let, me, let me say this real quick. We're going to have a word of prayer, and I want you to step forward in faith and believe this. Two months ago, my family, we were on vacation. Last day, the last afternoon, it was kind of overcast. We were at the beach. It was kind of overcast, and, and Brooklyn, my eight-year-old, she just turned eight two days before this while we were there on vacation. She and I, we had had this awesome sandbar all week long that we could go play on, and the water was, I mean, at high tide, it was barely over my knees. 
And so she and I were out there playing. It was, it was like the last little bit of time we were going to get together. We were out there, and it was overcast that day, and so it was beginning to get dark a little earlier than it should. And I began thinking, you know, we probably need to get out of the water because, you know, there, there are things that lurk in the water sometimes at dusk and dawn, so we need to get out of the water probably real soon. And it was just a couple of minutes after that. She was trying to body surf, just playing in the waves, and she had just, just kind of, floated in a wave and so I was picking her up and as I picked her up I looked out and 10 feet from me I mean just not almost direct but just right off a little bit there was a four foot blue tip shark headed right for us I mean he was it was beeline he was coming straight at us I knew he was sensing he had felt what she was doing the playing that she was done and he was coming to see what it was headed right toward me and so this motion of picking her up and standing her up became this <laughs> in a hurry. And uh, I know you're not supposed to splash around because that's what they're coming for. So it was, I mean, the water wasn't up to my knee. And so I just hold her. I just started stomping my feet as hard as I could on the sand. I wanted him to know I was bigger than he thought I was. And you know, in that brief moment, you, you don't even have time to be scared. I mean, I had, I had several dozen thoughts go through my mind, mostly, am I going to kick this thing when it gets here? Or what am I, you know, what am I going to do with her and throw her over my shoulder? And I don't know what I'm going to, you know, I, and I kept my eye on him because I didn't want to lose him. But as soon as I stomped my feet, man, he took a beat. He got probably about eight foot from it and then boom, he took off. Kind of did a little check mark thing. He just bent his body and poof, he was gone, you know. And so as soon as he was out of sight, I couldn't see where I was, I took off. He was so fast, I, I, I didn't have time to be scared. Brooklyn screamed all the way back to the beach, me holding her up, you know. <laughs> and you know, when you're in the middle of something, it, it is hard to say, this is going to be okay. It's hard to have faith. It's hard. To, and, and listen, that was a few seconds. You're in the middle of something in your life that you've been in for a while, long enough for doubt to creep in, for fear to creep in, for you to begin questioning, maybe this thing is dead and it's never going to be what, it, what I always thought it could be. Or what, and all that begins creeping in. And, so, and, and you know, but like me in that, that shark incident, while it was happening, all I could do was react. But as soon as I got up on the sand, dry sand, let me tell you something. I had a story to tell now. I can just add it to my body surfing on Maui and some of my other ones. You know, that I, I got a story to tell now. And if you hold on to your faith, you're going to have a story to tell too. It may feel like you're in the middle of an attack. And I, like we were in, man, we were under imminent attack. It was headed towards, see what we were. I don't know if thing would have tried to buy. I don't know. But we were under threat of attack. You're under attack right now. But if you'll hold on, you're going to have a story to tell. You're going to have a story to tell that's going to build somebody else's faith. That's going to magnify Jesus in their sight. So that they say, wow, if he can do that for you, he can do that for me. So I want to pray right now. Set this up. And then when I say amen, I want you to step forward. Let us pray for you, please. I don't know when we'll get this chance again. That's why I'm spending so much time here in this closing. Because I don't want somebody to say, okay, that's over. Let's go home. No, please, somebody let us. I mean, there are very few people that don't need prayer this morning. Please, step forward. Jamie, go ahead.